whether we're talking about business, wellness, travel, or relationships. I've always thought age is just a number. Welcome to Ageless with me, Cynthia Rowley, and my daughter, Kit Keenan. What is your favorite thing about your mom? I would say she definitely like gets me out of my comfort zone a lot. And she's way more of a free spirit than I am. <laughs> Helps me wow. feel a little bit sometimes. Um, whereas I'm like very regimented and very controlling. So it's awesome to have that energy in my life. Wow. Are you a Capricorn? I'm a Taurus. You're a Taurus. So similar energy, like very reserved yeah. and very regimented. My husband's a Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. What's oh. your sign, Cynthia? Leo. Leo. Okay. Leo. That's good. <laughs> so, Leo Taurus. I love it. Yeah. That's How about awesome. you? That's- I'm an Aquarius, like quintessential Aquarius. Oh. Don't pin me down. I no, just get. Uh, I like to sort of explore into darkness, kind of kind of run into the into the darkness yeah. and kind of with a machete and and create kind of new paths. Um, and I think that's why entrepreneurship really feels so easeful for me. You know, just because I that's already my disposition and my sisters too, since we're both Aquarians. Oh, that's um, so interesting. Oh, Gigi, yeah, yeah. Kit's sister is. Uh... She's an Aquarius too. Oh, really? But that image that you just described running into the darkness with a machete is like so perfect for what an entrepreneur has to, the kind of head space you have to have. I say sometimes it's like running through a field and you feel like someone has a gun pointed at your back. (laughs) Do I serpentine? Do I run faster? You know, like, yeah. Totally. I love it. Wait, so Do we, I just put up my arms and like, oh, yeah. you know, scream? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, I, I'm just getting to know your work as well. And it's just so, it's so in- impressive and inspiring, it's, especially as a female entrepreneur, paving the way for so many of us to be able to do the same. So um, when I meet other female entrepreneurs who've come before us, I'm just like, fuck yes. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, well, you guys inspire me for sure. Yeah. And I definitely just want to jump right in and ask Let's you where your idea for D- Daybreaker came from. And I guess like how it all first started. Yeah. So, you know, Daybreaker really was a social experiment. It was an art project at the very beginning. This is 2013. I actually was a nightclub owner. I was just building uh, my underwear company Thinks. I was just building a children's startup. I was working on several sort of startups. I was 34. I was single at the time, you know, and the nightlife experience to let my hair down after a long, you know, day of, of in the hamster wheel of entrepreneurship. I just wanted to go out at night and and let my hair down. And I was, again, a, an investor in a nightclub in New York City called Verboten. It was like one of the hottest clubs in New York. And it was just a moment of, of recognition of like nightlife was no longer a place to fully feel safe and let go. If I let my hair down and fully let my freak flag fly, it was kind of an invitation for a creep to come and dance up against me, or it was a group of zombies on some new designer drug. And I realized, you know, over the course of my time in New York, and I just celebrated my 20 year anniversary in New York City, and I just have such a, a depth of love for the city, but there had become, you know, there, there has 
there had been a codependence between having fun and being hopped up on drugs and alcohol. Like there, like in order to have fun, you had to be drunk or you had to be on some new designer drug to fully let your hair down and feel sexy or feel beautiful or feel like you could talk to people. And I just was over it, you know? And I, I was like, I want to come home to myself. I don't want to escape myself all the time. The reason to go out at night to dance and at this point in my life is to come home again to the authentic version of myself. And, and so that was the idea. I was like, what if, what if we turn nightlife on its head? What if we kept all the cool parts of nightlife, the dress up, the play, the mystery, the music, the dance, the, the just sort of like the ambiance of nightlife, the music, the sexiness, but then removed all the dark stuff. So the alcohol we replaced with green juice and healthy breakfast treats. We replaced a mean bouncer looking up and down, deciding if you're cool enough to come in with a hugging committee. We literally had people hugging you at the door and we had like hugging workshops and not do creepy hugs. And we had, you know, really like fun ways to greet people at the door. We invited performative elements like aerialists and fire spinners and break dancers and a horn section at every event to bring a theatrical texture to to the experience and replace kind of the, just the, the button pushing DJ, not that, you know, anything wrong with it, but, but so it just added all kinds of layers and then decided to do it in the morning. So we were like, what if people dance their faces off at sunrise? What if people woke up on a weekday before going to work, got dressed up, made you know, a new connection on your way to work and they dance at the top of the World Trade Center, dance at the Museum of Natural History or dance on a boat or dance in these wild, iconic locations all before going to work, all without substances. And so that was the experiment. So the idea was just, let's take all the juicy parts of New York City. Let's take all the juicy parts of life. Let's remove all the stuff that takes us out of ourselves. And, and that was sort of a long-winded way of, of sharing the beginning of, of Daybreaker. I think it definitely, it takes so much courage to fully kind of like let go of your ego in that moment and just dance like no one's watching when you don't have the help of like liquid courage. Totally. <laughs> and I see my dad has been sober for a long time and I see like him in social situations and I'm just like, he's able to go out and like have such an amazing social life and not ever have be, that crutch. Yeah. Have that crutch. Exactly. And, and recently I've been like really working on being more of an extrovert and like getting out of my comfort zone a lot. Yeah. I think it does. It is a lot of times in social situations where I do have the crutch of alcohol. And I think it's so cool to test that as a confidence building exercise to be you totally got it. You totally nailed it on the head. It's literally, that's it. It's, it's, it's a courage builder. It's a confidence builder. And if you can dance with reckless abandon without the need for substances, you can be epic on a first date. You can be epic on a job interview. You can be epic meeting anybody in any situation, or, you know, it's, when you actually find that confidence in your body, not just in your mind or your bravado, being able to speak your truth, but able to move 
through yourself, through through your truth, that's really where confidence lies. It's in your body, and um, it's so great that courage is a core value. Courage is a is a virtue of joy, and we really talk about the eight virtues of joy. Our core value is a daybreaker as well. But there's a few things that you that you said just now that I, I want to touch on, and the first is just this idea that when you realize what a crutch it can be. And when you begin to test yourself and you begin to push the limits of, of your own confidence, that is the beginning of, of, of life, you know? And I think for me, I slept, I was sleepwalking through my twenties because I just was again, you know, sort of like doing what society told me to do, which was go out, get drunk, do all the things, take some new designer drugs, like drink beer when I didn't, I hated beer. And then really it was when I turned 30 where I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, whoa, Rada, like, who are you? And I, I really didn't feel a sense of belonging. And I felt like I had given myself up for the benefit of trying to sort of keep up with the cool, you know, kind of like what cool trend was. And, and it was that moment of recognition of coming home to my truth that I began to, again, reorganize my community as well. Because when you reflect an inauthentic version of you, you begin attracting inauthentic friendships that don't fill your cup up. So that's what happened to me in my 20s. I was so full of friends and tons of friends, but they were just party friends. They weren't friends that really filled my cup up. And it was really at 30 that I began putting community and belonging as a priority. And then that changed the trajectory of my life. When it came to love, friendship, my business, success, financial, spiritual, all of that came from starting with the root chakra, your root, your first energy center, which is the belong center. I think that it's so relevant because during lockdown, I didn't realize how isolated I really was, even though I was with my family, but I felt I was really isolated. And it wasn't until like, like a year in when I was starting to actually like be able to bond with people that in person that I hadn't seen and like feel how much I missed that. It was like, I was literally in a K-hole, like trying (laughs) and I couldn't figure out why it was so depressing and isolated. But a lot of it was really just because like, I missed that community and that of like, just to be able to actually have like a real extrovert, like, it's so hard for people that gain oh, yeah. energy from being around others. Like I can't even imagine how hard lockdown must have been. That's but, that's me. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to challenge the concept of extrovert and introvert too. I think these are also labels and these are also one size fits all statements about ourselves. I, I certainly know that you, know, you, each of you have extroverted and introverted moments. There's moments where Cynthia's designing or she's creating that she's in her pocket of flow state or where you're in a moment with your friends where you feel like, oh, right, I, I want to be fully seen and expressed. So whether, you know, I really believe that that labels can actually make us feel even more isolated. So it's an opportunity, especially during lockdown, to actually revisit what names are we calling ourselves? Like maybe we're partly introverted, partly, as I call it metavert, 
we are all metaverse. We're all different spectrums of right. introvert, right. extrovert, right. right? So there's some days that we could be introverted, some days we're extroverted and let it, let's allow all of our human to shine and let's not pigeonhole ourselves. The more we call ourselves introvert or extrovert, the more we're not allowing ourselves to actually show up for the introverted side of ourselves or the extroverted side of ourselves. So to really give ourselves that opportunity, I think is, is a, for me, it was, was how I faced myself during COVID. I had such an opportunity and I think we all did of missing people. But, but I think what was something we are, what you're touching on is, is the concept of collective joy and collective joy is what I spent my career working on. And I, and what I, when I'm continuing, I think to really now give it a crystallized form in some ways of like, what is collective joy and how do we actually measure it? How do we actually put a science sort of backed understanding of, of that sense of the sixth sense of the energy, the feeling like, I think what Cynthia is talking about is the, the energy, right? That sixth sense that we can't really fully explain, but I'm working with UC Berkeley right now at um, in the Greater Good Science Center to actually measure collective joy through dance uh-huh. as a first way to, to really understand the human need to be together and how vital to, it is for us to survive and to thrive. I think you're writing a book maybe called Joyride. <laughs> Yes, I am. How did you know that? Uh, I have I have a little spy cam and you're talking about <laughs> Yes, I am. I'm writing it with the um the founder of Equinox. She's an incredible woman named Lavinia Erico. And she and I have become sisters during the pandemic where um she yeah, she's just a magic woman. You should talk to her actually for this podcast and have it to connect you. But yeah, she and I are really sharing our story of our joyride of building wellness movements. And, you know, she she really coined and popularized the term wellness. And both of us have had, all of us, I mean, all of us as women have had this wild joyrides to get to where we are. And our tagline is from hustle to wholeness. Because I think so often we're taught to be in the hustle all the time and to go from the hustle to just finding wholeness is actually what we're hustling towards. And if we can really get get that to become our North Star as a society, we wouldn't be so materialistic. We wouldn't be so focused on the fancy car or the fancy outfit or the fancy whatever. We'd be so much more focused on, on wholeness. Like what does it mean to be head in the heart, head, heart, soul, mind, body, soul connected. And I think that's that's this new chapter of my whole rest of my life is like, how can we help scale wholeness? So on a day-to-day basis, yeah. are you thinking, okay, what am I doing for my head? head? What am I doing for my soul? What am I doing? Yes, my God, yes. Yeah, are you going through that checklist and yeah, saying- Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I call that a joy practice. Like how does a day go in your life? Totally. These are such important concepts of like really nurturing and nourishing your head, your heart, your body, and your soul, right? So the spiritual side of yourself, the sixth sense, you know? So So I call it a joy practice. So often there's like the meditation practice or yoga practice, or there's a, you know, like a sculpt practice or the butt, you know, and, and I call it a joy practice. And so we're actually building a whole joy practice around this concept of joy to really experience joy. You have to practice joy in your mind, body, and your spirit. So, so yes, I, how I practice joy every day is by first 
unlocking my mind through meditation, through breathwork practices, through affirmation practices. So I am statements. I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am ready. I am capable. I am here. I am present. I you know all of these affirmations, which is such an important joy practice. When you begin telling yourself, I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am social. I am extra. I am introvert. I'm all these things. All of a sudden you begin believing them and your cell, your cells, your voice is a physical practice. And so you begin believing that. And then the body piece is I do a dance practice, or I do a movement practice this morning. We did it, we ran around um, and and did a, a little circuit around our field out here. And my 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 partner set up a frisbee golf situation. So we did like a nine-hole around frisbee golf situation which was really fun and then i do a forest bathing practice we have 300 acres of woods right behind our uh, which is like a campground for children and so we walk around these these 300 acres and acres of trails it's called shinrin yoku it's japanese forest bathing my mother's from japan and my father's from india and so Shinrin Yoku is a very beautiful joy practice of just slowly walking in nature aimlessly not hiking you know not like trying to go for a long like fast hike but really like slowly hands behind your back just like taking deep breaths in and aimlessly walking under a canopy of trees and just allowing the nature and the breath and the the sensory experience to allow into your body is a beautiful joy practice. So just these types of things I'm doing all the time and then change it up. We need the dopamine hit. I call it your dose, right? Your dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. You want to release your dose on the daily, every single day. And your dose is your four happy neurochemicals, your four happy neurotransmitters. Once you learn how to physically open them to, to sort of activate them, life becomes so much more fun. Then you don't need drugs, you need alcohol. You know how to, you know how to get the serotonin instead of the MDMA or the Molly, you can actually release your your serotonin naturally. And it just becomes this like beautiful practice of like, can I do it alone just through breath work, just through deep breathing, in through a straw? You can get to that serotonin release very quickly through breath work. And they say yeah. that's what, you know, why people jewel or why you smoke cigarettes is because it's that time that you're actually taking deep breaths. Deep breaths. And that's why you think it makes you feel mm. good. But what's actually making you feel good are those deep <laughs> breaths. Oxygen. You know? Yes. I have it's not the nicotine. Yeah. About like destroying the ego that comes from dancing without yeah. the substances. Is there anything else that you do on the daily to kind of like check the ego, destroy the ego a little bit and just come back to like a more pure version of yourself. Well, yeah, this is why we, we throw dance parties every two weeks in New York city. Please come. I'll send you both. So invitation. Yeah. Come to the next one. But because like, I, I always say like at, at minute 80 to 90 on the dance floor, when you allow yourself to stay on the dance floor for long enough there's a collective opening that happens where everybody releases. It's like, you know, when the dance floor is cold, it's like, okay, it needs to be, you know, people say you have to warm up the dance floor, at least in the, the world, the club world or the, the, the dance world that, that I'm, I've been a part of for a long time. It's like, there's a cold dance floor and then there's a, a warm, and then there's a hot dance floor. So there, you can actually feel when the dance floor transitions from everyone kind of like, do I look cool? Like, what does this look like? And all of a sudden, you're just like, no one else gives a shit. Like, why do I care? You know, like, why am I putting 
all this pressure on myself. Look, I mean, like there's Sally over there is 300 pounds who's just having a great old time. And there's like, you know, grandma, you know, whatever over here. And so it's like everybody. And then there's, oh, there's like this beautiful, like, you know, woman who's an Instagram, whatever, you know, who's also over there having a time of her life. And like, why am I feeling so embarrassed? You know? So all of a sudden that collective mirroring that happened, which is why being on your own is so dangerous and, and calling yourselves names that make you even more isolated is so dangerous because we are smarter in community. We are, we learn faster in community or we have ego death when we're in community because especially on the dance floor, right? The dance floor is the perfect place for ego death because you literally are moving in unison as a collective. You drop the sense of self, you join this collective. And in that moment, your ego dies and then you come home to your pure self. And then at 80 minutes, this is when I cry every time. It's been eight years, hundreds of dance parties. But at like around 8.30 a.m., when you come stay to that time, you'll see me crying in the corner somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just feel the energy of the dance floor exploding. And everyone, doesn't matter, again, all denominations, all ages, all levels, welcome. And it's just this like collective opening that happens. And it's pure magic. Wait, didn't you do this at the Oprah yes. thing at the Barclay Center? Tour. I was there. Yes. Was You're there. kidding. <laughs> what? Do you remember? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. It was so, super cool. Yeah. Super so we cool. opened every stop of just, you know, for everyone listening, we we had the deep honor of opening every stop of Oprah's 2020 vision tour last year. And we had like Lady Gaga and we had like Michelle Obama and we had the rock and all these amazing people on the tour with us. And yeah, we, we had the deep honor of opening every stop of her tour with a 20 minute dance party where we got the entire stadium on their feet and finding collective joy and inviting the opening of their seven energy centers inviting the opening of the collective before the queen came on stage, before Oprah came on stage, we wanted the community to feel this opening. We wanted the community, her community that she brought to the stadium, 15,000 in each stadium to feel not just connected to her, but to connect to one another. Right. And that to me is actually the 2.0 version of concerts. And this is what my next sort of focus is, is how we can help the biggest acts in the world open their concerts with a collective experience rather than just an opening band plinking, plinking, you know, which is cool, but it's like, what if the opening act before Lady Gaga came on before, you know, whomever came on, it was an opportunity to actually have the whole stadium unite in collective joy in a moment of connection. It just makes the concert, the experience so much more meaningful. Um, We have a funny little story, like an example of this that I didn't think about till I was just hearing, listening to you. But my friend had, he had a big birthday and he had a very like glamorous tent. This was this past Memorial Day. And you know how usually you sit, you, you know, you sit and have dinner and then after dinner, you know, maybe dessert during dessert, a few people get up and dance if they've had many drinks or whatever, you know, and it's just a little bit sad. Anyway, he started his party off. He said he came out and gave a little toast and he said, I want every single person in this room to get on the dance floor right now. And everybody did. And it was before, uh, before appetite, before anything. 
and people got on the dance floor and it set the tone for the rest of the night, the rest of the party. And it really like is another great example of on a smaller scale of, you know, what you did with Oprah. I love that. No, but, but get off with the dance like, party. it can be, it could be 10 people. It could be as yeah. small as it wants to be. As long as you're moving together and experiencing collective joy in your body, not just in your mind, right. In your body that this is why dance is the most potent way to get right to joy. When you're feeling sad or you're feeling stressed, you're feeling, you know, sort of in trauma get on the dance floor with other people yeah. and just allow, allow the energy of the community to sweep you out of your head and into your body. And so I don't care if anybody watching or listening calls yourself, I'm not a dancer. Every single one of us is a dancer. I'm not a professional. I mean like professional dancer, but every single one of you walk down the street, we're dancing with our bodies, right? Like that's what we have to come back to that. It is our most ancient form of celebration as human beings to come home to that it's not just for instagram or tiktok superheroes who know how to do a choreographed choreographed dance but it's it's really it's a coming home to our bodies and it's such a medicine it's medicine for our souls and so i really hope that this is an opportunity for everyone listening to kickstart their dance practice as a joy practice and to do it with friends you know about the david byrne Thing that he did. Oh at yeah. Me. I went to that. I, I went to that too. I went to that. Yeah. Social <laughs> distance in your own. Yeah. Yeah. In your own little circle, but that's going to, that's going to start touring the U S which I think is great. And again, like encouraging that movement Just, and dance and like unselfconscious. You know, it's interesting. Like I, I went with a group of friends and it was mixed reactions around it. I felt like, yes, connection people. This is amazing. We're back. But then some friends were like, I felt so isolated being in my own circle and yeah. not being able to have a connected moment with other people. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it was even more isolating. And maybe that's the whole point of it is like, is like to remind ourselves actually the shoulder to shoulder concert experience is that euphoric experience that we're longing for. And that being in our own circle, yes, while we're together, being actually in a tight squeeze is, is where the magic really is. So yeah, I think there's a, so many commentaries in, in good in, in good ways to, to, to dissect from, from his experience. But I, I love Do you it. think I love that it. it's possible to work on this alone? Like have your own personal dance party? So so we do. So we launched Daybreaker Plus, which is kind of our membership, our online membership to practice joy every day from wherever you are. And the way we think about it is if we give you tools and, and we filmed all of our artists, we have like hand pen artists and sound meditation artists, and we have our global MC getting you to dance. And like, it's a very sort of like artful expression of an online kind of platform to move your body. But we believe that if you can actually have a daily joy practice and we, and we've now filmed hundreds and hundreds of them, you could do that on your own as an opportunity to practice joy to then go and find the collective. So this is your opportunity to just like practice. Ah, right. I can dance. Let me just get in front of the mirror and like loosen up myself and like realize, Oh, I don't, this is, I look, 
kind of hot. Oh, I look, this is cool. Like I move my body in unique ways. This is amazing. And then when you get on the dance floor, there's a sense of practice there that does carry forward. So I do believe it's important to have the internal experience of going in and with a teacher or, or, or by yourself, you know, on YouTube or whatever, we, we've just made it easy by creating something, but you can certainly find a million things on YouTube as well. But yeah, so having that alone practice to then bring you out, I think the problem with society today, certainly with personal development is that we get stuck and caught in personal development. We're just in this like constant cycle of therapy and and constant cycle of reading self-help books that we forget that the whole point of reading these books and self-help books or these or seeing therapists is to better relate to others, to better relate to the world, to go and be in social practice, to go out and serve the world. And I think we just get so stuck and caught in our head and our own personal development that we forget that that's the whole point. You know, same thing with meditation. Like if you ask the Dalai Lama, he's like, meditation prepares your body for service. Meditation prepares your body to relate to other humans. Meditation isn't just for yourself. Meditation is to prepare yourself to serve. And I think we have forgotten that in this look at me Instagram society, you know, this sort of very one dimensional view of ourselves. We're so much more than our faces, so much more than our beauty. We're so much more than that as women, you know, and it's just an opportunity for us to just break those paradigms. Personal development um, has become like almost a competitive thing now. It's like, are you right. more enlightened than me? Or like totally showing, well, I drink matcha every morning and meditate <laughs> that. It's yeah, like totally it's shaming. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Personal development shaming. Like, have you read totally. the power of now? Because I totally three times. <laughs> yeah. So I totally true. get where you're coming from with that. I want to ask you about belong yes. and ask you if you have any thoughts on building community and building friendships as an adult, especially because like I'm about to graduate college. So I think this time is like kind of crazy because obviously I'm meeting new people, but after this, like after college, it is hard to be an adult and meet new friends and meet like a new community. So what are your tips on community building as an adult? Right. So for you just out of college, first of all, we have, we go through about seven inflections in life. When you graduate college, when you have a baby, when you get married, when you maybe get divorced, when you retire, when you move to a new city, when you start a new job, there's so many inflection points in your life where you're starting over. And somehow every, the more, the older we get, the more scary for some reason it gets to make friends because we think we're more set in our ways or we feel like we're harder to be friends with. There's just so many limiting beliefs that we have the older we get. So to be in, in this question this early in your life and to remember this conversation at the next level of your life, when you maybe get married or have a kid that Remember our conversation this moment that you're going to have to go through this again and again and let this be a every few year practice of like, who are my people? Who fills my cup? You know, who are my energetic elevators? I was talking to my sister about this yesterday and she was just, we were just talking about, I only want to surround myself with energetic elevators. 
energetic of those who elevate my energy, not those who are energy vampires, make me feel their cynicism, who are shit talking other people who are like down on life, who are constantly on their high horse. I'm just over it. And post COVID it's just an even easier boundary to be like, bye-bye. I don't want you in my life. See ya. So energetic elevation is the first thing to think about who and how are you showing up as an energetic elevator? Step one, how are you showing up as an energetic elevator? Ask yourself that question. Are you shit talking other people? Are you being a cynical person? Are you sort of a classically kind of like complainy, everything in my life sucks type type person? Mm -hmm. And really just start with yourself. Can I work on being an energetic elevator myself so that I'm radiating that to then attract those kinds of people to my life? You know, so that's step one is like getting inside of your heart. And then what I did was, this is actually what happened to me. I turned 30 years old and you're 22. I usually get graduating college, 21, 22. So if I did this when I was, when I was graduating college, like my, yeah, my 20s would have been different. But I wrote down a three column list when I turned 30. Column one, what are the qualities I'm looking for in a friend? I have 20 exercises in my book, but this is the first exercise in my book, which is what are the qualities I'm looking for in a friend? And to really sit down and go deep and not like, not like the version of the magazines that want me to be like, or the versions of television or whatever, you know, that want me to be like, what, what do I, I want loyalty. I want energetic elevators. I want friends who say fuck yeah to life. I want friends who lean in. I want friends who are happy for my successes. I want friends who high five me or show or ask me how I'm doing and are not just waiting for me to answer so they can speak. I'm at, you know, like right, be so specific about the qualities of confirm a friend because that changed my life. Column two is what are the qualities I don't want in a friend? And that will begin sort of like, you realize, oh my gosh, like I've let all this energetic de-elevators, you know, in, in my life, but negative Nelly, shit talkers, shoulder shruggers, those who are complainers, backseat drivers, whatever, write all of that down and really meditate on who in your community has the qualities looking for, who in your community does not have the qualities looking for, you're, you're looking for. And then column three, perhaps the most important, which I just said was, what are the qualities that I need to embody? in order to attract the friends that I want. So for me, it was I need to be less judgy. I need to be less of a triple booker. I'd say yes to three friends and I'd have to cancel on two. It just was like very unreliable. I would cancel on things. I was, you know, I was quick to judge. Just all the different things that I, that, that I found of myself. And I was like, wow, like it's hard to be friends with me because of these, these reasons. So just doing that first level of audit was a instant sort of, transmutation to the universe, a transmission to the universe to really start, start that journey. And once you begin writing it down, it just starts manifesting. And we're in a period right now where we are manifesting faster than ever before. And it's an exciting time to ask for what you want and to really write that down. And then once you've done that sort of going inward audit, which is the first half of my book actually belong, the second half is actually sort of step-by-step tools for and guides, guidelines for how to actually go out and make those friends. So I'll just give you one from the second half of my book, which is, I call it the four phases of community. So imagine like a bullseye. It's like four rings that go to a bullseye. 
the outer circle of that of that ring I call the exploratory phase. So when you graduate college and you write down the qualities looking for in a friend, you write down, and there's another exercise, which is like, what are the things that you're interested in exploring right now? Entrepreneurship, community, fashion, design, whatever, like, you know, music, festival culture, whatever it is, write that down and then begin exploring by finding those communities in New York City. So, okay, um, I want to find entrepreneurship communities. I want to find design communities. I want to find media communities. I want to find, so just begin plotting them on the exploratory kind of outside rung and start writing down what are those communities that you can begin sort of participating in. So then from exploration, you move into participatory. So once you find, let's say, three or four of them that you've gone to one time and you're like, oh, this is this, I'm not feeling this one I'm feeling. It's kind of a light touch. No, um, there's like, kind of like, there's, 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 there's no pressure, right? You just kind of show up, you check it out, come to Daybreaker. You're like, oh, wow, this is cool. I feel this. Or like, oh, it's too early in the morning for me. Maybe not, you know, you might feel it out, right? But come to the things and just be courageously showing up. Like 99% of life is showing up to stuff, not being too cool for school and just, just being like, fuck it. What do I have to lose? I'm just going to go. I'm going to show up. So you show up to the thing and you, you find three or four things that you might enjoy. Maybe it's two or three, maybe it's one or two. Then you go and you participate more deeply. Okay. I'm going to participate in this community. I'm going to become a volunteer for Daybreaker. I'm going to become a volunteer for, for sinks or forever, whatever it is, you know, women's empowerment stuff, whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden you're now participating, getting, rolling your sleeves up, supporting people in your community that you want to get more deeply involved in. And then from there, you meet your outer core community. So maybe like 20 people in these communities that are pretty cool that you're like, whoa, they're they're like my vibe. And then all of a sudden, one or two of them will be like, hey, Kit, Cynthia, I want to invite you to a dinner party. I'm throwing that at my house. And I think you'd be a really good fit to meet my friends. I call them portals. A portal is a generous, a generous human that is a portal to your social life. So you meet one person who aligns with your values, your interests, your abilities, like who you are, how you want the qualities looking for a friend. And then they will then generously whisk you into their community. And then now you go to a dinner party with 20 of their friends. And now boom, you've, you've, you've become, you've begun your journey to your dream community. And then from that dinner, you might have me make my, you might meet another two portals and then two years down the line, you might become the portal yourself and then become the generous person that brings someone else into your community. The problem is most women, most many, most humans in general are so afraid of being generous with their community members for fear of losing them because like, oh, I don't want her to be closer to Kit. So I'm not going to introduce her to Kit because I don't want them to become friends and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be left out. And then, and then I'm out, you know? So people don't want to make introductions because they're afraid of losing that friendship. If you're afraid of losing that friendship, that means that friendship is not strong enough. Like my friends, I introduce them to everyone in my life, new people, exactly like people that I know from other places, other communities, because I am very confident in those friendships that I know. That's right no one can take my place in their life. That's right. That's right. But so that's the kind of friendship that you're looking for in life. And I think the problem is the loyalty loyalty piece is so important. And we live in cancel culture right now. So it's very easy to just be like, oh, we had one fight and oh, I'm I'm never talking to kid again because we had one fight. Or, you know, 
versus like, hey, Kit, this hurt my feelings. Can we unpack it and let's talk about it? And I love you more for it because we had this courageous conversation. So relationships in this day and age is is such a um, is such a dance. We're not taught how to fight with each other, how to make up with each other, how to have ruptures and repairs, how to have courageous conversations of like, hey, this thing that you said, maybe you didn't realize it, but it hurt my feelings. Giving friends benefit of the doubt, having opportunities to take a walk with somebody and repair a feeling of, of sadness. Like these are all these are all skills for the modern day human that we aren't being taught. And it's such an important skill, probably the most important skill to acquire and to practice um, as a modern human. I see so much where a little bit of criticism and somebody just bails. Bails, especially as entrepreneurs, especially as like employers as well for younger staff. And like, it's just kind of, it's wild how much of a thin skin young people have to any type of constructive criticism or even like taking mental health days. Like everyone takes mental health days now. Back in my day, it was just like, you just pushed through it and you worked your ass off and that was it. And I think that there's a beauty in asking for what you need, but I also think that we've made mental health days and having mental health troubles too kind of like every day that we can't get through any hardship in life. And it's just, it's, it's hard. I was actually <laughs> just hearing someone talk about this, like, our like human ancestors were literally like running through the woods and killing animals with their bear. Right. And like I dropped a, a thing of pesto in the grocery store and now I'm like crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying like this is like the level of what right. we can do. now. I think like the human mind is a little bit more fragile because we're so totally. stimulated. But yeah, and that's why the dance and 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 there's so many labels. That's the problem. It's like there's a label that's oh ADHD. Oh, you have this. Oh, you have anxiety. Like let's stop using the word anxiety altogether. Like if it's like let's just strike the word anxious and anxiety from our dictionary and use more descriptive words. Like I'm feeling this today or right now. This is how I'm experiencing life. Rather than like oh, this is making me anxious. I'm you know it's like it's bail, just bail 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 bail. It's just bail bail. It's just like, yeah, scapegoat, bailing, like easy out, cancel culture. It's just like, it's up to us as women to st- you as a younger person. I'm, you know, new mom or Cynthia is like, ma- you know, it's like master mom, you know, it's like, we all, we, it's up master to mom. us. I call it master citizen actually, but master mom. I have so many things like as I'm, as I'm becoming a master citizen myself, I like don't want to be relegated to like a certain category. Like I am so much more than a senior citizen. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like, we're going to re reimagine how we see aging as another story, but like, it's just so important for us as women to redefine what it means to be a modern human, you know, what it means to, what it means to walk this earth in 2021 and beyond and how to develop resilience, how to develop a sense of self-worth that isn't driven by how many likes or how many followers you have, you know? I well, feel like we could keep yeah, going for hours. We need yeah, to have we, you on for a sequel. Yeah. But <laughs> one question we ask all of our guests on Ageless is what do you want to be when you grow up? 
So oh my gosh, we would love to hear your thoughts on that. I want to be nobody when I grow up. <laughs> no, I think I think it's actually an important thing to share. I'm, you know, I think that we all, I think, are striving to be this masculine somebody, and that's the masculine world telling us that being somebody is all of your worth. And I've lived that as an Asian woman, as a woman, as an as a woman entrepreneur, all my life. That being somebody is your life's path. But I think the road to becoming nobody is is actually a more virtuous path. What's coming up? It's so good. It's so (laughs) good. No one one says that. And when you really, really, really think about it, that is that that is the path. That's that is the what you want to be, I think. Yeah, that's the end. Who cares? Like, who cares? Yeah. You're whatever you are. Yeah. It's like all it matters is like how many friends can will be around you, you know, like singing as you're on your way to the next round. And like that, it doesn't matter who you are in that moment. What matters is how you showed up for those friends, you know? And, and so, you know, I have a friend, Mark Hyman, he's a functional medicine doctor and he just, you know, he's like written like 18 New York Times bestseller. He's like all this stuff. And, and now he's just like, I am on the road to becoming nobody. We talk about this all the time together of like what that means. And he's just like, I've done ever. I've just like, I was somebody and now I'm like, I want to be nobody now, you know? And I think that, yeah, I just, I feel like that's a, that's a, I, I was deeply inspired by, by that. And we've had long, long conversations um, about it too. You, you'd love him. Yeah, Cynthia. And, and, and Kit. Yeah. I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that was probably the best answer we've ever gotten for that. (laughs) And an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be friends. We all live in the big city, New York City, and I am a soldier for the city. And then, like, I have a love affair with her, and it's up to us again to bring her back. She's she was on her knees for so long, and we need to bring her back post pandemic. So. Look forward to seeing you out in the streets of New York. And I'll invite you, please come to the next Daybreaker. It's at an outdoor rooftop in Hell's Kitchen. Would love to have you at, at a Daybreaker and see you out enjoying the culture of New York City. So I'm just yeah. thinking my last September in lieu of a show, I totally forgot about this till right now. We made a video that was a love story to New York. And it was oh. girls dancing all around New York City no all the outdoor restaurants and everything so it was like that was my way of showing my love for the city was oh my gosh you have to send it to me yeah I just think that that's it just it just it's again it's like she's coming back but but she needs us she needs us anyway thank (sighs) you so much hope you guys love this episode and thanks so much to Ginny Media for our audio production All right. So I'm so happy that you guys got to listen to our stories today. As always, you can follow us on social media and keep up with our work and our crazy adventures. Then you can follow us on Instagram at Cynthia Rowley and at Kit Keenan. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 